before. Even though this is my last time for a couple of Sundays, I'm still on the time. Amen. Ain't gonna go long. John chapter 11, verse number 44. John chapter 11, verse number 
And after 25 years in prison, somebody stepped up and decided that he needed to be exonerated and be let out of prison. And so somebody came along and decided to offer an appeal on his behalf. And he ended up receiving an early release about six months before he was supposed to be released. So he, in essence, did about 24 and a half years. The thing that I watched and the thing that I observed about this man who had been released from prison is that though he had been out for almost a year, some of his mannerisms and his conversation was still very much like he was incarcerated. I don't know if you've ever been to see somebody who was in prison or know someone who has gotten out, but they dress a certain way. And I could tell because my father was incarcerated and I knew what it was like when his pants were starched the way that they were starched and his shirt tucked in the way that it was tucked in. He still looked like an inmate. And so people began to ask him questions and ask him what was the most memorable thing about his uh, experience. And he said the most memorable thing for him was, number one, that you are no longer yourself. When you're in prison, they don't call you by your name. They give you a number. And so you can very easily forget who you were because of your confinement, because of your being held captive or you're being in prison. You can forget who you are. And so the man began to talk about how he lost his identity after 25 years of being in prison. The other thing that I found interesting is that his mother was there. They began to interview his mother who happened to be the one who decided to champion for her son to be released. Because she said, I don't care what crime he committed, I believe that my son deserves to be free. Yeah, I'm going to hold him hostage for the rest of his life because of a mistake that he made 25 years ago. Something interesting that his mother said that caught my eye and still captures my mind and my attention to this day is she said he didn't just do those 25 years by himself. She said every day that my son was incarcerated, she said I served him with him. She said it was hard on me being a mother to watch my son be locked up and caged like an animal because of a mistake that he made 20 plus years ago. She said, but what decided why when I decided to start this program, this re-entry program, this recidivism program, is because when he got out of prison, she said it was harder when he got out than it was when he was in. She said because the simple things in life he couldn't appreciate because he never experienced them. She said, I had to get used to him getting up five or six times a night and going and just opening the refrigerator. And she said, it bothered me. She said, I started sleeping lightly because I didn't know where his mind was. And she said, it bothered me so. And she said, one morning I woke up and I decided to ask him, baby, why do you get up throughout the middle of the night? And he said to her, I'm frustrated with my freedom. Because I, 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 somebody had to tell me when to get up and when to lay down and when to eat and when to go to sleep. And he, he said to her, he said, it still blows my mind that I can get up when I want to and just go open the refrigerator. Said it frustrates me that you know, I, I know that I'm free, but I still just can't believe. Something as simple as opening and closing the refrigerator, that I don't have to look over my shoulder and worry about somebody coming up behind me. I don't have to worry about locking my food up and somebody stealing my food. I don't have to worry about my snacks. He said, it's frustrating. And so she said, you know, when he went to go try to get an ID, she said it was even more frustrating. He said, I had to work that day, and he can't drive because he don't have his license yet because all of his rights have been taken away. And so she said, you know, I had to uh, show him how to catch the bus. And, and he said, man, let me tell you, he said, that was an experience that I almost committed a crime just to go back. 
say I didn't know. He said I had to be in that place at one time, at a certain time. If I'm late, if I'm three minutes late, he said I had to run and chase down the bus. And they left me one time. He said, so what ended up should have taken about 20 minutes, ended up taking me a whole day. He said on top of that, when I got to the place to get my ID, he said they told me that I needed to have another ID to get that ID. And so he said, it took me a whole day when I got there, they were closed. The next day I got up and went and told my dad. He said, I almost re-offended. Because it was frustrating being free. So we talked about some stuff the past couple of weeks where Shamu was the object of our affection as far as our teaching. And we talked about how they take the killer whale and lock it up, hold it captive, and tame it so that it is not what it is, is by nature supposed to be. And what I observed from this young man is that even though he was a man, he was a broken man that did not know what to do with his newfound freedom. Couldn't handle being free, and so the thoughts of him reoffending, because sometimes for some of us, it's easier to stay captive yeah. than it is to live free. And so he said, after the, the speech and after everything was done, I just had some questions. I had some questions because he said the worst thing was that nobody was there to help me. Nobody was there to hold my hand and say, this is what I'm supposed to do now that I'm free. You would think that he would just automatically know what to do. But he struggled to find a job, struggled to find his identity, struggled to even find an idea, a piece of paper that could help him get a job. He struggled with this freedom. And so I found that there are many of us who struggle with the same things. I told you last week that there's two types of people. There are either those who are captive or those who were born captive. Those who were captured or those who were born captive. Some of us were free. And because of what we learned about church, because of what we learned uh, uh, in a theology school or seminary, we become captured by the confines of religiosity. And then there's others of us who've been in church all our lives and don't even realize that we're captive. And so I begin to think extensively concerning this Put up Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 in the New Living Translation. Because I showed you last week this, but I think it deserves our attention again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 in the New Living Translation says like this. Be careful that nobody capture you. Say capture. That word capture means to take by force or stratagem. And so watch this. The enemy don't always come in and stronghold you. Sometimes he can take you captive by strategy. The Bible tells us not to be ignorant of the wiles of the enemy. That word wiles speaks of military strategy. I need you to understand that he will strategically try to take you out. Need you to understand that he has a plan on how to divide your family. He has a plan on how to steal whatever it is that God has blessed you with. He has a strategy. Somebody say he's strategizing. Look at your name and tell me he has a strategy. I need you to understand this. The second definition means this. To gain control of or exert influence over. The enemy desires to gain control of and to exert influence over us. Why is this important to us? It's important because you understand that whoever influences you determines what your behavior is. You can tell who somebody follows by how they act. The Bible says, and we read this a couple of weeks ago, that if you say that you walk in the light and yet still do things that consider we consider darkness, that you have no fellowship with him and you lie. That says that whatever I do determines who I follow. Whether they be things of the light are things of darkness. Now, if I say that I'm in the light, that means that the things that were of darkness, I got to leave behind. The things that I used to do, I can't do them no more. Things I used to say, the way that I used to think, places I used to go and get no amens, those things should pass away. And so he says to us then, people are stealing and capturing you 
by force or strategy, they're trying to gain control and have influence over you. Somebody say capture. Yeah. We talked about the word tame. I'm going somewhere with this. The word tame means to not be taken very seriously. Without real power or importance, serviceable but homeless. And we talked about how this killer whale is put in a swimming pool and is tamed to perform tricks, to jump through hoops, to, to uh, operate out of the command of a whistle. We even talked about the fact that we'll go sit at SeaWorld and we'll watch Shamu, but not one of us will be willing to be dropped off in the ocean to watch them. The reason that we're willing to watch them is because we understand that they've been captured and tamed. And so I submit to you that the church is still serviceable but harmless. And the enemy does not fear a homeless church. Does not fear a believer who's still talking about climbing mountains when God said to speak to him. It's not fearful of a believer who don't understand their authority and their assignment, don't understand the anointing that is on them. He's not fearful of a believer who has head knowledge but no relational knowledge. I sit in church and I hear the pastor talk about God but I've never experienced him. He's not afraid of you until that word leaves your head and gets in your heart. Bible says in John chapter 3, Verse 6, we got the screen ready. John chapter 3, verse 6. Now, last week we talked from John 3, 16, 17 and 18, where the Bible says that God has given us his nature. Say that word for the nature. And what we determined was is that the killer whale, we understand, is not even a whale. It's in the dolphin family. And what the enemy understands is, I know what they call it, but if I can get it to perform by what it was born to, then it'll never live up to the nature or to the thing that God called it. God calls us righteous. God calls us holy. God calls us overcomers. But if he can get us to be tamed and controlled and only operate according to that which we were born, and David said in Psalm 51 and 5 that I was born and conceived in sin. So if he can get us to continue to conform and perform at what we were born to naturally and not what we were born again to, then he can continue to keep us serviceable but harmless. And so the Bible says, John, 6, John 3 and 6, Say nature. Nature determines your ability. Your nature determines your characteristics. A simple test to see if we understand nature. Dogs bark. Cows move. Cats. Chickens cluck. So we understand the nature. And I don't care how many times, how many tricks what kind of training you put a dog through, that dog will never be out. You'll never get a cow to oint like a pig. Why? Because it's not in its And so we were confused then because you mean to tell me they're going to take a killer whale, put it in a swimming pool, make it do tricks, and we said it's only a matter of time. Come out, come out. Before the killer whale understands, remembers, has a revelation of recognizing who it really is. Even to the man who put his head in the mouth of an alligator, it's only a matter of time before the alligator recognizes this is what I do. And this is who I am. And so we're waiting on the day that the church recognizes remembers or receives some revelation about what God said we really are. God said concerning us that you are above only and not beneath. Say that you are the head and not the tail. That you are blessed going in and blessed coming out. Just the way that a dog walks, I can stop being blessed if I try. Even when things look like they're not working in my favor, I'm still blessed. Because the Bible 
says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 that all things work together for the good of them even my mistakes and my bad decisions somehow God promised that they got to work together so somehow my good decisions and my bad decisions begin to work together to bring me to the place of destiny that God has purposed in my life so even when you think that you're misstepping it's in your nature to be He says to us that that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. i got to take some time to teach this to you because I need you to understand that the flesh is a nature. And if you act according to your flesh, the Bible says if you sow to your flesh, then you're going to reap corruption. And see, we understand that many people then operate still in the flesh nature. Say flesh nature. nature. Now I'm going to show you this. Stay right there, John 3 and 6. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Essentially, everything will produce after its own kind. This is why that is so dangerous because whatever you are, you're going to reproduce in your children. Because that which is born of flesh is. And so, whatever, watch this, your kids get your nature naturally. That's right. You ever notice that your children, without even being around you, pick up some of your characteristics? Yeah, they, they, you ever seen a mama and a daughter got the same attitude? Son acts just like his daddy because it's naturally in his nature. And if he don't ever get born again, do you know that recidivism is so serious that they are now doing a study because they are seeing second, third, and fourth generations of men in prison. What that means is the grandson is in prison with the grandfather. Why? Because nobody told him that that's no longer in your nature. Come on. That's good. Can't tell you how many boys I've coached whose daddy was in jail and they knew. They knew that if I don't do something, then I'm going to end up in the same place. Because it's already in my nature to do what my daddy did. So I must be born again. And so that which is born of spirit then becomes spirit. So watch this. The carnal mind is enmity against God, but it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Give me the New Living Translation. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. Go back to the King James. Because we see sinful nature, but I want you to understand something. That the flesh and the carnal mind are one in the same. Many people in the church are saved, but they're still carnal. How do you know a carnal believer? When the word does not govern every part of their lives, they're still carnal. They've already confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus. They believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead, but because of their immaturity, they still operate and do things of the flesh. Most churches still operate with the majority of their congregation being called. It's about to get good. Right around this part right here is where it's about to get good. Watch this. The place that the enemy has captured us and the place that he has tamed us is right here. Do you remember in Acts when Paul and Silas prayed and the Bible says the very foundation of the prison was shaken and all of the doors of the prison were open yet nobody moved? You know you're in prison when the doors open and nobody moves. So they were not only bound by the fact that there were doors but they were bound in the mind. The young man in Durham, North Carolina, was free and able to walk around, but he was still 
heard a story about a man that had an elephant. Say that when the elephant was a baby, he tied a rope around his neck, put a stake in the ground. And every time the elephant tried to run away, the rope would yank him back. And so the elephant, over time, grew and became grown. The man still had the same rope tied around the elephant's neck and the same stake. Somebody walked up to the man and said, Sir, you're not worried that your elephant is going to run off? He said, No. Not worried because that same rope has been holding him since he was a baby. And so the elephant doesn't even realize that it's strong enough to walk away. Because the same thing that it's held, that held it in bondage all of these years, it still sees around its neck. So it doesn't see itself as being a dominant animal. It sees itself as being captured. And so the believer becomes captive in his mind. To where I can't believe God for great things because in my mind. That's why he says you got to be transformed. But in order to be transformed, you got to renew this. So he says the carnal mind is enmity against God because it won't do what God said. It ain't going to try to live right. Because it's still got the same rope around its neck that it had when it was living in the world. And so while I'm asking God for deliverance, God said, just walk away. I'm asking God for strength. And God said, just walk away. He promised us that sin had no more power over us. He's saying, whoever you yield your members to, that's whose servant you become. And so the church has become captive, captured, tamed in our mind. Now watch this, because the word flesh and the word carnal in the Greek are the same word. It's the word sarx, S-A-R-X. And it means animalistic nature. God, just missed it. We've been talking about animals ever since I started this series. And there's always a purpose and a reason behind it. Because when we act outside of the will of God, we're no different than an animal. Flesh, carnal mind, same thing. Same word. Sarks, which means animalistic nature. You wonder why some people have no standard? Or how low they'll go? What you call a man that ain't no good? It's in his nature. If his mind hadn't been renewed, what did you expect? If he's carnal minded, his nature is animalistic. He can't love God. Animals only think about two things. Pray a predator. And so you begin to understand how a thief can steal. Your loved ones will betray you because they don't see you as a cousin. They see you as prey. The only thing an animal thinks about is survival. And when you look at the world, what you see is the world that's trying to because they are carnally have not gotten rid of that nature. And so they result to their animalistic nature. Because you know when you can't find prey outside of yourself or outside of your pack, they start turning on one another. So when the world don't offer enough amusement, 
the church turns on it. And if you watch closely enough, you'll see that the church is starting to look like a bunch of Y'all been to the zoo? You watch them long enough, they swing around, swing on ropes, do whatever they're going to do, walk around a little bit. Every once in a while you'll catch them fighting with each other, but there's no organization. There's chaos. I don't care if they are in the confines of, uh, confines of a cage. There's still no organization. There's still chaos. And so what happens is they return to that animalistic nature and they start turning on each other. They may be tamed and in a cage, but they're still animals. I'm not calling us animals. But our nature becomes like animals. If your mind has not been renewed, it's no wonder that when it comes time to give an offering or pay my bills, then I gotta survive. Alright. I can't give nothing to the church. Yeah, so it becomes survival. Because of the animalistic nature. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. We're about to close this out. Let me see how much time I got. Two minutes. I'm done in two minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Watch this. The weapons of our warfare are not called. The mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see this. Go to verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Might be good. Go back to verse 5 and show me the New Living Translation. Verse 4. Yes, verse 4. And do the New Living Translation. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Everybody see it? Now let me let me make this connection for you. Everybody see this scripture? We destroy the strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments by using God's weapons. Go to Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Don't let anyone what? Say it now. Don't let anyone that's trying to capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking, thinking or reasoning and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. How do we get away then from the end of philosophies and the high-sounding nonsense and that come from human thinking and all of those spiritual powers that come from the world? He says we got to use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Go to verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. This is my point. Your thoughts are rebellious by nature. If you don't capture your thoughts, let me show you how your thoughts are going all around the world. Every time I teach a marriage conference, this is, this is the example that I give to men. And I give it to women too. Listen to this. When you're having trouble in your marriage, you already see yourself out of it. Not the trouble, the marriage. You'll see yourself with somebody who will do everything that your mate wouldn't do. Like some of y'all may see here. I know you're going to say that. When trouble gets good enough, you'll see yourself on a beach in Florida with the woman, a man with the body that you desire with the job that you wish your mate had doing things that you wish your mate did if you don't bring your mind back 
You ever got in trouble with somebody? And you didn't already show yourself. No, I, I got a better one than that. Somebody ever disrespected you and you didn't get them like you wanted to get them. But when you get them, you didn't really realize the level of disrespect. Maybe the Holy Ghost covers your ears so you couldn't really receive the revelation that they were disrespecting you. But when you got home and thought about what they did and how they disrespected, you got mad all over again. I was like, I'm going to call them right now and I'm going to get them. You done already saw yourself. And if you don't Man, there's some times, Brother Mike, that people say some stuff to me and they think because I'm saying that it's just automatic and they don't want to say the right thing. I got the... Because if I don't catch it, my mouth going to say what my mind thinks. Huh. You going to say it. Wish I had some. No, I'm going to say it. Matter of fact, you can tell someone else just let our mind go. Huh. Pastor, I ain't going to need much of that. I ain't going to be trying to catch all my thoughts. Some of them be going and they not just let them go. They not just ask God for the gifts.
Amen. But they don't do y'all like that. But people will remember that you were dead. As a matter of fact, his own sister said, he's been in that relationship so long. Surely it's state by now. Surely he's been drinking for so long. Ain't no way he can come out. Many of us came out of the world, but we were still bound. One of the reasons that we continue to do things that we were doing when we were bound is because we still got the grave clothes on. We can't praise when we're supposed to praise because we still got the grave clothes on. We got the pump and pride. Lift your hands all over the building, all over the sanctuary, lift your hands. We got to prompt people to praise because if God has brought you out of anything, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, now wait a minute, because I wasn't there when Lazarus came hopping out, but I guarantee that he didn't have to tell Lazarus not to give him some praise. Because if you've ever been in something, and God has brought you out of something, Backstab, people hate, people messy. 
And so when you see a church like that, it's safe to say that that's a call of place. Nobody can be born again in a call of place. When you see the miracles of God, the power of God not active in a place, it may be because the church is called. Carnal means I want somebody to entertain me when I come to church. Sing good, preach good, I'll give a dollar. Might as well call me Shamu. I ain't here to put on no games, I ain't here to play no tricks, I ain't here to jump through hoops. I'm here to lead people out of the darkness and into the light. I'm not here to preach to a flesh, I'm here to get you out of the flesh. So you can examine yourself then. Go ahead and start playing. You can examine yourself then as to whether or not my mind is calm. Animalistic nature. No, in your animalistic nature, somebody bark at you, you bark back. Somebody bite, bite back. Sure. I've even heard people say, well, I'm still, I'm working on the turn of the cheek back. Going to ever be working on it until you change your mind. Man, this thing is so challenging that God says if somebody steal your coat, let them have it. Wait a minute now, Walt. I'm changing my mind and everything, but somebody steal from me and I know who got it. Am I in here all by myself? You say
Because I just told you that you can tell a carnal church. Watch what he says. For you are yet carnal. For where there is among you envying, jealousy, strife, and divisions. Watch what he says. Are you not carnal and walk as men? So when you see those things, it is evidence of carnality. I cannot get spiritual things. I cannot get the blessings of God. And I operate in carnality. Altars open. Do you really know who you are? Loose me and let me go. My desire, and I know that your desire is to have everything that God has for you. To walk in the blessings that God has purposed for you from the beginning of time. Don't stand in your own way holding on to something. Holding on to things that God has loosed you from. Those things that were binding Lazarus. God recognized. Jesus recognized. Said even though I've called you out son. I need you to be loose.